You're listening to Get Fed Today, one podcast designed to provide the Christian a hearty Bible study five days a week. While our mission is to showcase a variety of different Bible teachers, if you want to access more content from a particular pastor, simply listen to the end of the episode for additional information. On behalf of the entire team at Get Fed Today, it is our prayer that today's episode encourages your growth in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sin, led away by various lusts, always learning and never coming and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapprove concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all, as theirs also was. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have heard and have been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete thoroughly equipped for every good work the title of today's message is how to listen to a bible study Now, this is an important topic because it is possible for a person to listen to Bible studies all of their life, and number one, their lives are never really changed. And even worse, number two, they can never come to a saving knowledge of the truth. Can you imagine A person being in church all of their lives and yet never really understanding God's word and affecting their lives, or worse, never really finding saving knowledge. And yet here in 2 Timothy, Paul is describing just such people. Notice what he says in verse 7 to those there. He says, you're always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You think, how can this be? How can a person be here every Sunday and listen to their pastor teach week after week, study after study, and not come to a knowledge of the truth? Let me suggest to you that it's easier than you might think. 
Because despite, despite what many believe and what some say, your Bible is actually a fairly interesting book. And a good Bible teacher can make it quite engaging. There's some incredible history in there and some amazing practical life lessons that can keep you coming back week after week. But understand this, accumulating historical facts and learning some helpful life lessons are not the purpose of your Bible. It was written for a much deeper reason. The goal of your Bible is to bring you to a place of repentance and then to a knowledge of an eternal God. The goal of God's Word is to change us at our very core. Its purpose is far more than just to make your marriage better or to, to make you a better worker of your finances. The Bible was not written just to relieve your stress or to bring peace to your life or to make you a better parent. Yeah, studying the Bible will do all of those things, but there's so much more that God intends to accomplish in your life through the weekly study of His Word. The key is in how we listen to our Bible studies. Notice what Paul says to Timothy in verse 10. But you, Timothy, have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, my faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance. Timothy's listening involved far more than just hearing. See, it takes the right kind of listening to become a careful follower of God's Word. And this morning, my goal is to make you a better listener. Now, I want you to think about our Bible study habits for a moment. If you come to church twice a week, say Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights, you'll come to about 100 Bible studies this year. If you did that for 30 years, and some of you have studied your Bible much longer than that, I have, you would attend about 3,000 Bible studies. And let's say the average Bible study here at Calvary Chapel lasts about 45 minutes. You're going to spend 135,000 minutes or 2,250 hours of your life devoted to Bible study. Think about that in terms of eight-hour days. If you did it for 30 years, you would spend the equivalent of 281 eight-hour days in studying your Bible. In other words, a lot of time. Now, if you're going to invest that much time of your life, don't you want to get the most out of it? Don't you want that investment of time to accomplish all that God wants to accomplish in your life? See, you don't want to get to the end of your life and stand before God and have God say to you, you were always learning, but you were never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You were always learning, but you never really accomplished all that I wanted to accomplish in your life. Now, I'm not saying that you, know, you never became a Christian, but I am saying that God wants to do far more than we think he does if we would just allow him to do it in our lives. Those 281 days of Bible study could accomplish much more in our lives if we only learn to listen properly. So this morning, let's examine six principles of being a good listener of the Bible. And my hope is that after today, we'll all grow in how we listen and, and 
once we learn to listen correctly, how the Bible really begins to affect our lives. If you've got a pencil or pen, I encourage you to write these six principles down. Number one, find a truthful and challenging Bible teacher. Now, guys, if you're going to spend 281 eight-hour days studying the Bible, you want to find a teacher who's honest with God's Word. Someone who's not going to compromise the message of the Bible, but say what it really says. Someone who's not going to pick and choose what they're going to teach from their favorite lessons. Someone who is committed to giving you the whole counsel of the Word of God. In other words, you want a teacher that's going to tell you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. You do not want a teacher that's just going to tell you what you want to hear. Some of us do, though. Guys, you know what? The Bible has parts that are just difficult to swallow. They're just hard. They're just, they're just tough. The Bible often goes against the popular thinking of our day. And that, but that doesn't mean that we don't need to learn what God thinks about things. Sometimes we need to have our feathers ruffled a little bit. Notice the condition of the world as Paul described it in the last days. And boy, when I read this, it makes me think we're in the last days. He says, for men will be lovers of themselves. Know anybody like that? Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parent, and then the unholy uns, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving. I could go on and on. Listen to, to what Paul is describing. Guys, in a lot of ways, he's describing the world around us today. And when God pushes you against that flow, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard sometimes. Sometimes you're going to hear the truth and you're going to say, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to stand in that. I don't want to be like that because that's just too hard. Or it doesn't match up with what I thought was right. Guys, the, the Bible, when properly taught in its context, can just be tough. But you want a teacher who's going to challenge you. See, some Bible's teachers, they'll, they'll stick to the truth of the text, but then they'll just water it down a little bit. They'll make it easier for you to swallow. Guys, I want a teacher that's going to teach me the truth just as God has delivered it. I don't want it watered down. If this book is the medicine that God thinks I need, I don't want my pastor to dilute it before he gives it to me. Do you? If God's word is changed or avoided or diluted by the person teaching you, you need to find another church or another teacher. And I hope and I pray that it can never be said of one of the pastors here at Calvary Chapel that that's what we've done. That we've taken a passage and made it say less than what God intended it to say. God's word is powerful. But when you get a diluted version of it, or when you just don't get certain parts of it because they've been left out, it will not accomplish all that God desires. If the medicine is weakened, the healing is slowed. And I, for one, do not like to be sick. I want the full dose. I want God and the one teaching God's word to me to give me the right prescription that God has prescribed for what my problems are. 
Again, I don't like being sick. And I woke up yesterday feeling lousy. My wife finally gave me this cold. And I had been avoiding it for a long time. But you know what? We're all sick spiritually, and we need the healing and growth that God wants to bring into our life. And we need to choose a teacher that's going to give us the medicine that will accomplish what God wants to accomplish in our lives. Number two, we must believe that what is being taught can and does apply to us. Often, you know how it is when the pastor begins to teach and you realize what he's about to talk about. Sometimes you just sort of tune him out. Eh, that doesn't really apply to me. You make a quick evaluation and you say, I can, you know, I can kind of sleep through this one. Let me suggest to you that that is a big mistake. Look at what Paul says in verse 16. He says, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Paul says, all Scripture is given. All Scripture is needed. All Scripture is profitable not just those portions of the scripture that I find interesting or that I find easily applicable, applicable to my life. Now, I want you to picture yourself in a football game for a minute. Now, ladies, I know this is going to be hard for you, but we're going to go with this analogy with me for just a moment. Picture yourself in a football game. It's fourth down at a crucial point in the game, and your team only needs about six inches to get a first down that will make the difference in the game. Now, you're the wide receiver, which means you're way, way out there. And you know what the coach is going to call. He's going to hand it to that big old 250-pound guy, and he's going to run it right up the middle, and we're going to get our six inches. And so you come to the huddle already knowing what the play is going to be, and you just kind of tune things out. You're not paying attention. Only this time, the coach has decided to do something different. He does want to involve you. He wants to get you the ball and surprise everyone in the stadium. But you've already determined that you're not going to be involved in the play. So why listen? And then suddenly the ball is coming your way, but you're not prepared. And it falls to the ground, uncaught. See, what could have been your greatest moment to shine becomes a moment of shame in a moment of humiliation, in a moment of missed opportunity, all because you assumed there was nothing that was going to be said that would involve you. How many times do we see this in church, though? Guys, there are times when God wants to say something to you that will impact the lives of others. He's chosen you specifically for a purpose, and He's got a message for you, and He wants to say something to you in the study. But you came in and you just sort of tuned it out. And what could have been a great opportunity is missed simply because you didn't think that passage or that study applied to you. Everybody sitting here today must understand that they matter to what God is doing in this church. Every time we huddle together, things are going to be shared that affect everyone. And the primary way that God communicates in our huddles is through the teaching of his word. And if you tune him out because you don't think that topic applies to you, you're going to miss it. The key catch that could have been made is not going to be made. The big score that could have happened, the big thing that could have been accomplished on your part doesn't happen. Yesterday we had a memorial service for Pat Timms. Many of you know Pat. She was a longtime member of our church. And you know, it was really amazing to sit in here and listen 
to the number of people who stood up and talked about how she had impacted their lives. You know what was interesting is she never taught a Bible study. No, Pat was just someone who sat in week after week and listened to what God's Word said, and she took those things and she lived them out here. She had the gift of hospitality, and she just God had just said to her, "Yeah, I want you to use that gift." And so there were so many people who 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 stood up and said, "You know, Bob and Pat met me at that door out there the first time I came, and they welcomed me here, and they got me involved." The reason I bring that up is because sometimes. God has a specific mission for you. And and, and it may not be something that you think is profound, but it might be something that its impact will be profound if we just do it. But but if we come to the huddle and 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 if we don't listen, we'll miss it. We need to come. We need to listen to what God says. And we might end up saying, you know, I can do that. That's simple enough. See, I truly believe God wants to do far more than what we see. But the person that God wants to use that particular day just wasn't listening. Blessings were missed. Opportunities were squandered. All because they didn't think that that study applied to them. All Scripture matters. You're here but are you listening? Number three, we need to listen as a student, not as a critic. How many of you have played the game, grade the pastor at lunch on Sunday afternoon? Come on, you know you have. Don't raise your hand, but you know you have. You know, you know some of you have your grade books open right now, and you're jotting down a few notes on, you know, they're kind of you know, sizing up. How's he doing so far? Well, we're going to give him a B minus, but there's room for improvement. Here's how the conversation goes. You know, you're sitting at lunch with your family. You know, hey, the pastor was really bringing it today, man. I'm going to give him an A-plus on that one. Or it could go like this. Boy, the pastor must have had a really busy week, buddy. That was a stinker this morning. I'm going to give him a D-minus. I'd have given him an F, but he let us out early, and we bid everybody to the restaurant, so we'll give him a D. Hey, let's be honest. Every pastor has some A's, and every pastor has some stinkers. And i got to be honest with you, we are really fortunate to have a pastor with a pretty high average. Brings it week after week. But our whole premise is wrong if that's the way we're thinking. Guys, this is not a theater. We're not Siskel and Ebert sitting here on Sunday morning ready to make our critiques of the study. Our job on Sunday is not to be a critic. This is a church And we're not watching a performance. We're listening to a Bible study. It's an act of worship on our part. It's not just an act of oratory. You and I are to be disciples, learners, students, not critics. Now, yes, it helps to have a good teacher. But God is not limited by the mouthpiece. He can speak through the most engaging pastor, the most entertaining pastor, but you know what? He can also speak through the most dry and boring teacher. Here's why. Because the power is in the Word, not in the mouthpiece. It's in the Word. But see, we tend to put the emphasis on the mouthpiece. 
and we become critics. And when we do, we become like Janice and Jambres. You know who those guys were? Those were the two guys that, that mo- mimicked the, the miracle of Moses there in Exodus when he was before Pharaoh. It says of them, they resist the truth and become men of corrupt minds, disapproved com- concerning the faith. It says there of them in verse 8. See, God's word is to be loved. It's to be embraced. It's to be applied, not judged and critiqued. We resist the work of God when we approach God's word that way. Our minds become corrupt rather than becoming conformed to his will. God disapproves of this approach to his word. We need to approach his word each week as disciples, as students, as seekers of truth. In the past couple hundred years, especially in the last century, it has become very popular, even esteemed, to approach the Bible as a critic. The university professors out there call it higher criticism. The idea is that we should question our Bible, that we we need to try to seek to prove it wrong, rather than humbling ourselves before it as a book that is holy, one of which we need to be a student of. And I'm sad to say that today, even within the church, our our attitude is often that of a skeptic. We look at the Bible critically. We, we, We look for reasons why we shouldn't believe it or shouldn't obey it. We question and doubt everything we hear. This is not the attitude of a disciple. The disciple, he hangs on every word. He listens with an open heart. He's ready to receive something new. He's anxious to hear God speak. Would that describe you today? Are you a critic or are you a disciple? Our fourth principle of being a good leader, a good listener, is we must listen with an expectant heart. Did you come in this morning expecting God to speak to you through the Bible study? Did you think about that on the way in? On the way over, were you thinking, you know, I wonder what God is going to say to me today. For some of us, this is our biggest problem right here. We really just don't expect God to say anything to us. Don't you think those 12 disciples got up every morning wondering what new truth they were going to hear from Jesus that day? Can you imagine Hey, I hear he's going to give us one up on this mount today. I can't wait to hear what he's going to say. Every time Jesus opened his mouth to speak, I would just imagine those disciples were sitting on the edge of their seats saying, what's he going to say? They expected God to to speak through Jesus. They expected him to say something every time Jesus spoke. But in our hands, guys, we have something just as amazing. We have the Word of God that He's written to us. But so often we open it up and we really don't expect God to speak to us. But we should. Especially when we come in here on Sunday mornings and on Wednesday nights when we we set aside our busy lives just to listen. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. What is Jesus' point? We have to want it. We have to expect it. 
God wants us to come in those doors on Sunday morning seeking to hear from Him. You remember the episode in Acts chapter 2 of the lame man who had been lame from his birth and he was brought every day to the temple steps and he would sit there on the temple steps waiting for people to come up and he would beg alms. And then the one day when Peter and John came walking up and, and it said that he asked them for something and fixing his eyes on him, Peter said, look at us. And so this man gave his attention, and it says, expecting to receive something from them. And then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Guys, every Sunday that we come to this building We should come expecting to receive something from the Lord. Notice what it says. It said the man looked up expecting to receive something. Hey, there is a good possibility that this lame man did not get what he was expecting. I think he was expecting them to flip him a coin, a gold or a silver coin. That's what he'd always receive. Every time he'd come to the temple, that's what someone had given him. But this time, God gave him something else. And guys, you and I, we need to come in expecting. But here's the thing you're going to find. Often what you expect to hear from God is not what you get. God gives you something different. Often something far greater. Something far more impactful. But we have to expect something. We have to seek for something But hey, it's an adventure, buddy. When you open your Bible, you never know how God might speak to you. Number five, we should always listen with the anticipation that the Holy Spirit is going to make personal application of the passage to my life. Now, the fifth principle cannot be overstated here. I should listen to every Bible study to hear how the Holy Spirit might take that passage and that study and apply it to my life. See, guys, just gaining knowledge for knowledge's sake is dangerous. It leads to spiritual arrogance. It leads to self-righteous pride. Spiritually speaking, it is easy to become fat and lazy. When I first started really studying my Bible back when I was in college, I I, I really just started studying. I, I got into it. You know what my first reaction was? I just got proud and arrogant. I just thought, I just know more than them. I'm, I'm studying it, man. I got it. I'm seeing new things. And it was wrong. Look at how Timothy approached learning from the Apostle Paul. Let's revisit verse 10. Paul says of Timothy, But you have carefully followed my doctrine. My manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch and at Iconium and at at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. But notice the key phrase there. He says of Timothy, Timothy, you carefully followed what you learned from me. In other words, he listened to Paul, but then he took what Paul said And he made it work in his own life. 
what he learned and heard from Paul, he implemented into his own life. It wasn't that Timothy was just intellectually growing and understanding things. No, he was living out what Paul was teaching. I want to make a a bold statement to you this morning. If what you're learning here at Calvary Chapel is not changing your life in some way, it has all been a waste of time. All those 281 days are wasting your time. The real purpose of God's Word is when we study God's Word, we do it so that we can live more godly lives. That's the purpose. To make me a more godly person. To change me. To change the way I treat you. To make me more patient and more loving and a person of greater faith. Guys, we study the Bible. I study the Bible that I can become the person that God created me to be. A person who lives life in God's image. You remember Adam? When God created him, how did he create him? In God's image. But what happened when he sinned? Adam marred that image. And it's been marred in each one of us. None of us comes into this world in the pure image of God that God wants us to be. But it's as we study God's Word, as we seek and to apply things to our lives, God begins to mold us and make us more into the image of Jesus. You know what's a scary statement for me? is the one that Paul says here when he says, Timothy, you carefully followed my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose. See, there's more to it than just listening to what your pastor is saying. There also ought to be an element of you looking at my life and saying, I'm going to learn from the way you live your life also to be more like the Lord. And frankly, that scares me to death. Timothy wasn't just listening to the doctrine of Paul. He was studying Paul's manner of life. He was copying Paul's lifestyle. And in doing so, he was learning to be like Jesus. This thought is so challenging and convicting to me as a teacher. But I so want it to be true of my life. I want God's Word to to so infiltrate my life and to so change me that you can look at my life and you can say, hey, I followed His doctrine. I followed His manner of life. I followed His purpose. I followed His faith and His love. And I became more like God. I became pleasing to the Father. Let me say to you, that should challenge all of us. Guys, Everyone here has someone who is watching and listening and looking to them as the example of Christ. Everyone. Somebody is looking at your life to learn how they should live, how they should behave, how they should treat others. But All of this depends on me applying the things that God is teaching me from week to week to my life personally. The Christian life is a slow change. 
It doesn't happen quickly very often. But week after week, study after study, if I will take what I'm learning and apply it to my life, God will change me. God will change every part of me. When I am a doer of the word and not just a hearer, each study begins to affect my life in a certain way. And my life begins to conform to God's will and to God's image. My life begins to reflect His life, His power. It is a powerful thing, guys, when we get serious about applying what we're learning from the Bible. And that should happen little bit by little bit every week. Number six, we must review what we have learned and reinforce it in our lives. I believe Satan's favorite and maybe most effective hundred feet of work happens from the place you're sitting to your automobile on Sunday morning. That hundred feet is a place where he works the hardest to make you forget what you've just learned. And so often, he does it, doesn't he? You go to pick up your two-year-old in the nursery, and you, man, you're just flying high, and, you know, man, God has really been speaking to you, and then all of a sudden, that little guy pitches a fit, and he's screaming, and you're embarrassed, and you forget everything you just learned. Or, you know, you've just been in, and, man, you're just basting in the glory of what God has said to you and you start walking out the door and somebody says something to you and you take it wrong and all of a sudden now you're a little bit mad and you forget everything God just said and you can't believe they treated you that way or that the pastor didn't even say your name because he couldn't remember it at the door how could that happen that hundred feet that hundred feet is, is one of Satan's most powerful So often God speaks to me when I'm listening to Pastor Satan, but I've learned this. If I don't write it down, it is easy for me to forget it. I used to have a boss that used to say, the best memory is only as good as the shortest pencil. And he used to make us carry a pencil or a pen in our pocket everywhere because if we didn't write things down, we would forget them. Guys, this is why you need to be writing down what God is saying to you on Sunday morning. Hey, we got these little cards right back there when you walk in. Pick one up every week. Put it in your Bible. Write down what you hear. Keep a journal. Some of you, I know, carry around journals with That's great. Keep a journal. Keep a piece of paper in your Bible. That's what I do. I have a piece of paper that I stick in my Bible every week. And, and when I'm listening, I, I, if I hear something, I, I just write it down. Because I know if I don't write it down, I'm going to forget it. But then later that day, you got to go back and you got to read it. Later that day, you got to go back, or maybe that week, you got to look back and say, okay, what did God say? And maybe you need to open your Bible back up to that scripture and say, okay, he said this to me from this passage. And, 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 and then you need to spend time considering what that means to you. Did God tell you to stop doing something? Then you need to stop. You need to come up with a plan on how you're going to stop doing it. Did God tell you to begin a new habit that would be good for you? Then you need to think about it. You need to come up with a plan. Okay, God, how am I going to implement this new habit? How am I going to work this into my life? Did he tell you to change an attitude about something? Maybe there's a person at work that you've got a really sorry attitude about, and God spoke to you and said, you've got to change that attitude. You know what you need to do? I get, a, I get three by five cards, 
And I write down these thoughts that I have, these things that I feel like God wants to do in my life, or maybe a key passage that he spoke to me through. You know, I write them down, and then I take them, and I sit them on the dashboard of my car. And every time I get in my car, I have to look down, I have to read one, and then every week I just kind of rotate them, because usually I have three or four or five sitting there. Let me suggest you to do that, or to tape them on your mirror where you get dressed in the morning. Trust me, if God wants you to change an attitude, put it on your mirror and read it every day. It will affect change in your life. If you'll do this simple thing, you'll be amazed at how powerfully and quickly Bible studies begin to change your life. Look back at verse 14 and 15 where Paul tells Timothy, he says, But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Timothy had known these things all his life, but notice he had to continue in them daily. It was a process. Just hearing things is not good enough. If they're going to affect your lives, we have to continue in them. We have to put them into practice. Recently, I was thinking back on my four years of learning at Georgia Tech. You know, it was strange. I couldn't really remember a single lecture that I had heard in four years. As a matter of fact, I'll be honest with you, I couldn't hardly even remember the classes that I took or who taught them. But each class cumulatively had an effect on me. See, I, I, one example was I had taken a whole year of accounting thinking, I will never, ever use this again. And again, I don't remember a single lecture that I had in accounting class. I do remember the teacher. He was a Cuban guy, and I couldn't understand a word he said all quarter. But, but I, I couldn't remember a single lecture. But you know what? As the chief financial officer for Calvary Chapel, Stone Mountain, I used the principles that I learned in that year of accounting almost every day. Whenever I have to handle a cash flow statement or a profit loss statement or make a journal entry, I know how they work. Whenever I have to deal with a spreadsheet of numbers, I know how they work. I always remind myself, for every debit, there is a credit. I learned that. Day one, Accounting 101, that's the only class I, ever, I actually do remember. I do remember that class. I wrote it down. For every debit, there is a credit. What is my point? What am I trying to say here? I'm trying to say when we study anything, we begin to accumulate knowledge. We begin to gain understanding. We begin to grow in that field. It affects who we are and how we think. Then, when we really begin to practice what we're learning, the impact becomes exponential in our lives. See, I really didn't understand accounting until I started using it every day. Until I started applying it. And all of a sudden, my knowledge of it became magnified. This is how it is week after week when we study the Bible. Guys, if you think back over the past year, you probably don't remember a single Bible study that Pastor Sandy taught, not on an individual basis. But you know what? Each of those studies has had a cumulative effect in your life to mold you, to make you, to change the way you think, to cause you to think the way God thinks to cause you to understand things the way he understands them. It has been changing you. But let me say this to you. 
when you begin to really personally apply these studies week after week to your life, and you begin to write things down, and you begin to look back at them, the impact on your life will be exponential. See, right now, it's just been a little bit, slowly. But when you really begin to apply these principles that we're talking about here, it will explode in your life. Next Sunday morning, Pastor Sandy's going to begin a new series of studies, verse by verse, through the book of 2 Corinthians. Or as Donald Trump calls it, 2 Corinthians. <laughs> Thinking about changing the name, changing the lingo there. On Wednesday night, August the 17th, he's going to begin a verse by verse through the wonderful book of Daniel. Guys, these are two opportunities for you to make a decision. And, and, and here's the challenge that I want to make to you this morning. I want you to make a commitment to something. Number one, I want you to make a commitment to being here. Both if you can, but one absolutely. Because if you're not here and if you don't hear it, all of this becomes a mute point anyway. And then number two, I want you to make a commitment to change the way you've been listening. For just a few weeks, I want to challenge you to approach the study of God's Word differently. I want you to start bringing a pencil and a pen with you. I want you to start walking through those doors or, or on your way over. I want you to start thinking, okay, God, what are you going to say to me tonight? I'm expecting to hear from you, Lord. I want you to start leaving every study thinking, okay, I've learned something. Now, how do I need to take this and apply it to my life this week? Not next week, not next This week, how can this affect me? And if you'll do that, if you'll just come in Changing your attitude from that of a critic to that of a learner, you will be amazed at the effect the next few months will have on your life. Here's the funny thing. Most of you are going to come anyway. You're going to come. You're going to be here. Why not make the most out of it? Why not just, just take one of these things? One of these things and apply it over the next few months and see how it changes the way you listen and see how it changes what God begins to do through that study in your life. That's my challenge. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to Get Fed Today. Today's sermon comes from Pastor James Chapman. If you enjoy the message, you can access more of Pastor James' teaching ministry by visiting calvarycsm.org.